Good evening and welcome to From the AD's View. I'm your host, Dr. Cedric Brown. And as I do before every show, I'd like to give honor to God, who's the head of my life, because without him, nothing that I do is possible. Couldn't do this show, couldn't be uh, a good father, a good husband, uh, couldn't be a good professional, good colleague. So uh, I want to do that. And um, let's bring in my very special guest, Miss, excuse me, Dr. Sue Henderson. Um, Dr. Henderson, how are you? I'm doing great. Absolutely. And Dr. Henderson, we spoke a little earlier about a couple of topics. And um, if you could give me a, a brief thought on this, what does it mean when I say positive impact of NIL and student athlete experience? I think that that's going to be important for the students, for the institutions, uh, but also for college sports. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Henderson. And then um, if I'm talking about uh, what leadership looks like from a president's point of view or a chancellor's point of view or provost perspective, what would you say about that, Dr. Henderson? Uh, it's a one word answer. Mentoring. Mentoring. That is absolutely remarkable mentoring. And these and more topics we will talk about, myself and Dr. Henderson will talk about on From the 80s View. Let's get it. Welcome back to the show. Again, you're watching From the 80s View. I'm your host, Dr. Cedric Brown. Let's bring back our special guest, Dr. Sue Henderson. Dr. Henderson, um, let tell, the, tell our viewers, uh, tell our podcast listeners a little bit about Dr. Sue Henderson. Um, so I started my uh, career as a high school teacher and... I'll never forget my third year of teaching. The principal came to me and said, uh, Sue, you, you look like an athlete. Would you mind coaching gymnastics for us? And at the time, I didn't even know how to do it. And he said, well, we'll train you. So that was my first introduction to what it really means to, to mentor uh, and to work with students. So we had a blast doing that. I did the gymnastics team. I did the drill team. Uh, math team, and of course, helped create some really good academic programs at the high school I was working. I moved on from there and taught at a community college because I got recruited into a community college. And um, this was in Georgia. And uh, when I was there, someone came to me and said, uh, look, we need somebody to be the department chair. Would you be willing to do it? And I said, sure, I can probably build a schedule and realized at that point in time that I wasn't be teaching as much. I wouldn't be tutoring students as much. Uh, or mentoring students as much, but my mentoring was to helping young uh, academics, young faculty grow, and yeah. uh, really had a blast doing that, and had an opportunity under a really good president, uh, Jackie Belcher, uh, to attend some sessions on leadership, and um, became a provost over a campus and helped grow that uh, enrollment there really well. And knew I wanted to be in a four-year school and ended up at Queens College. There I was the vice president of institutional advancement and did a lot of work in terms of helping to build buildings, build programs, uh, connect with the community. 
And then finally, my last career job was at uh, president of New Jersey City University, where we doubled the four-year enrollment, uh, four-year graduation rate. Um, We created a school of business and uh, really grew our international program as as well as some really uh, upgraded some of our general education and academic programs. That is an outstanding career, Dr. Henderson. And, you know, so many people don't understand that in the world of higher education, that there are, you know, avenues and um, trajectories that you go through, right? You and and hearing your uh, your journey, you you started out teaching, and then you go being recruited, and you go believing that you're going to continue that uh, passion of teaching and mentoring, and then you get called in to leadership because I'm sure, Dr. Henderson, uh, early on in your career, someone that mentor saw something in you that was um, was needed to help the growth of the um, of the institution that you are around. And so being in higher education and and being a part of athletics in in your career, um, Dr. Henderson, what you know, the world of of name, image and likeness. Right. Um, You know, if you go all the way back to UCLA and uh, and uh, a case that was brought then um uh by two brothers that played basketball in uh in UCLA and then now we come to 2023 where uh in the state of Utah we have a collective that uh is um uh leasing trucks for you know uh one member of the athletics program um so we come far 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 away where i believe even Dr. Emmert, before he retired from the NCAA, where he thought, and now we have uh, Mr. Charlie that's in there. And, you know, he's a former governor of of Massachusetts and, you know, a business person and things like that. What is the positive impact, Dr. Henderson, of NIL and uh, the student athlete experience uh, from your perspective? So I'll share with you uh, one of the senators in the state of New Jersey where I worked. Um, was very interested in making sure that NIA was possible. And her comment was, Sue, these athletes, um, we go on the weekends and we watch them play, or we go to their basketball games and watch them play, and we bring in great revenues, and those athletes don't get the benefit of, of, of all the revenue that comes in. Yes, ma'am. Nor do they get the revenue, the revenue from any of the sponsorships. And for the amount of effort that these students, athletes put in, um, it's not proportional. So she really pushed for it. And I began to see that that's going to be an important thing. Uh, at the other side of it, with the NCAA, they said, we want to make sure it's managed. Yes, because, ma'am. Um, as I pointed out earlier to someone, there are 500,000 student athletes across the country, just in the NCAA. And that doesn't yes, count ma'am. the NAIA. Uh, of the 500,000 the vast majority of them are Division Two, Division Three, where they're not even given a scholarships. Mm-hmm. Division Two gives some. Uh, you get to Division One. Most of the Division One schools are the lower level Division One, and then you have the Pac-10, SEC, the ACC, uh, and you you know that with them that there are athletes in there. They're very talented. I live in Colorado now, and I've began to see what wonderful things that Coach Prime is doing at at, at CU Boulder. Yes, um, ma'am. 
been amazed at the amount of energy, the spec that's into the town and the amount of energy, but we have to manage it. So I think it's a good thing, but I think it needs to be managed. And I think bringing Charlie Baker on was a good idea because he probably has enough clout federally to be able to get something put together with the Congress. And in everything that you've said, Dr. Henderson is um, so prevalent, even in, you know, as I am uh, an athletics administrator uh, at the FCS level, um, Mm -hmm. we don't typically see the the same type of of NIL exposure that you would at the FBS level. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, How. What do you think that we need to do for our women athletes to make sure that they have equal access to these revenues that are coming through for uh, from these collectives? So I'll share with you a little bit. Uh, I came along in college at a time when Georgia Tech had just begun to accept women. Yes, so ma'am. having women in athletics and having women even in colleges is is not completely, um, it's not been around for a long time. Yes, I had ma'am. the privilege of working with a woman by the name of Gail Marquis who attended Queens College, which is where I worked. Mm-hmm. And she was part of the first women's the first women's um, Olympics basketball, where they won a Mm -hmm. silver. And it changed her life. It absolutely changed her life because she said, I learned discipline from this, but it also gave her a pathway to be able to do play basketball. Now she had to play it in Europe because that was Mm -hmm. the only place where she could get it done. I think that the country's got to figure out how to bring women's sports at a higher level. The other sports I would think about is places like my son-in-law played lacrosse for Chapel Hill. Now mm. he did get a scholarship, but he is probably not likely his somebody in his position isn't going to be an NIL person. So right. understanding how we make that fair, or we just say this is the way it is, um, you know, is something that we're going to have to work for. And, and athletic directors like you um, are going to have a complicated job. I really do, because your job is to take care of all the athletes. Absolutely. As well as in really special ones. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. And, you know, I I I am a part of uh, our Title IX committee for the institution. Um, I I work very closely um, with my colleagues and um, uh, wanting to make sure that the access is uh, at a high level, right? Um, and people say, well, you know, is it, you know, is it equal or it, I said, no, it's not equal because, yeah. you know, everybody th- that, that knows, um, you, you know, w- how I grew up in the industry, looking at that one picture, Dr. Henderson, that has three people standing at the fence and they're all different heights and they all have different uh, boxes, mm-hmm. right? It's not about the being equal, it's about the equity, the access to. So each one of them can look over the fence, mm-hmm. but they all need something different to help them to look over that fence. And and I and I am a firm believer that you know the the women of LSU basketball, mm-hmm. the women of of Iowa basketball, um, you know the women of South Carolina basketball. You know, some of those student athletes, those uh, outstanding women are making millions of dollars in NIL. Right. 
But how can we do that for the swimmers? Mm-hmm. How can we do that for the volleyball players? How can we do that for um, so many other student athletes, track and field, cross country, uh, mm-hmm. tennis? How can we do that for them as well? Um, you have worked at several uh, institutions and you've mm-hmm. held several different um uh, administrative post. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were sitting in those those posts, what was important to you as the leader uh, or one of the higher administrative leaders in the institution? What was important to you for your athletics program? It, it, sitting as a president, sitting as a provost, what were you looking for to have be significant in your athletics program? So one of the things that I always tried to do, whether I worked at the community college where we had a really good soccer team um, or when I was at Queens College, wherever I oversaw athletics uh, as a vice president or at NJCU where I was the president, I recognized based on the data uh, what an impact athletics has on students. And the model that athletics has is actually one that ought to be replicated in my mind across a lot of the other student services. You know, how is it that those students get the support? So one of the things that we did both at Queens College and NJCU is tutoring for these students. Mm-hmm. Um, we also were very attentive to their grades and we got to where we were trying to do that with our students, our regular students, uh, which is very important because you want to catch issues early on. And very often, the issue is not an academic issue. It's a life issue. And trying to help them with their lives uh, is what really makes a difference uh, in the long run. But the only way you do this, uh, someone already told me, you got to get the right people on the bus and you got to put them in the right seats. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, well, I that that is so, so, Our, so true. Two really good, uh, uh, two great, really good athletic directors, um, China Jude at uh, at Queen's College. Oh, she's China Jude. Here, yeah, she's now yes, here in man. Denver. Yeah, I and know then, China Jude with the Denver yeah. College, the, the Denver uh, Broncos. Broncos. Yes, yeah, yeah, and then the other one was oh gosh, his name slips me, but the athletic director we had in JC was fantastic, and he did so much to really rejuvenate and and just change that athletics program. And it yes. makes a difference. Leadership matters. It absolutely it does. Matters. It so. does. It does. And so, Dr. Henderson, stay with us. Um, I have to go to a small break um, and then we'll be right back to talk about the rest of our um, our topics. You are watching from the 80s view. I'm your host, Dr. Cedric Brown. We will be right back after this break. Water it's everywhere. We drink it. We bathe with it. We cook with it. Coffee's made with water. Toilets won't flush without it. It's used for washing clothes, dishes, utensils, pots, pans, floors, and our teeth. Plants and crops need water. Animals drink it. And fish need it too. And don't forget, we can have a lot of fun in the water. Water. What will we do without it? From the creative team that brought you The Browning Project and Dead by Morning comes a new thriller that will change the way you look at white-collar crime forever. Falling from the sky. 
I'm Leon Thomas with the Leon Thomas Group. Podcast, virtual events, webinars, streaming shows, and so much more. We want to be your partner in all things virtual. Welcome back. You are watching From the 80s View. I'm your host, Dr. Cedric Brown. Before we bring our guests back today, I want to um, talk to everyone about my new book, um, How Black Men Overcome Racial Barriers and the Status Quo. It is an NCAA, uh, in NCAA institutions, it's a narrative inquiry. Um, the book, I wrote it uh, as a dissertation and turned it into my book. And basically, it's covering um, how mentoring can help individuals to aspire to um, uh, higher uh, heights inside of athletics. And it's not necessarily something that is about um, how someone kept them back or held them down, um, you know, uh, but it's more like what mentors or what um, uh, networks did you have that helped you uh, to ascend to what you're doing and whether they were perceived barriers or real barriers, how did it help you be successful? So uh, in the upper right-hand corner, you can see that there is a QR code. You can scan that QR code to get to the book, and the book is on Amazon.com. And uh, if you go to that and, and get the book, love your support. If you'd like to contact me, you can reach me um, on my, uh, my own webpage, uh, my website is cedricmbrown.org, or you can reach me on LinkedIn at uh, Cedric M. Brown, PhD. Uh, my email is from the 80s view at gmail.com. And um, if you like what you see, subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Cedric M. Brown. And uh, can we bring back our special guest, Dr. Sue Henderson? Um, you know, and, and Dr. Henderson, you mentioned, um, uh, Miss China Jude, you know, I've been, uh, had the opportunity to be around individuals, uh, like Mrs. Golf, who's a pioneer in, in, uh, women's athletics. Um, you know, uh, Miss Yao, who is, you know, uh, definitely a pioneer and it, um, I work with a, a young lady who is a pioneer. Uh, Miss Marie Tuit is a pioneer in women's athletics. Um, in your coming through, we know in, in 1972 was, um, was big for higher education, big for our women, giving our women an opportunity to have access to. Um, as you've worked throughout your career, uh, Dr. Henderson, how have you seen things um, change from where they were to where they are? And we still have a long way to go, right? 50 years, we're still not where we need to be at. But how have you seen things advance over the course of your career? So I think two things. And uh, you talked about the fact that with Title IX, 
uh, women started being able to be involved in athletics. There's a lot of data that shows the women who were in the athletics programs starting in the 70s in college actually ended more of them ended up being leaders in industry um, and in their in their respective businesses. So it provides it provides leadership. The also the thing is true, and this is why I think NIL is going to be important, um, is the comment that I've heard many people say is who are the athletes on the field? If the athletes on the field are all people of color, then they need to have the leadership opportunities to become become those titans of industry. And I, I think that Athletics has done that. I'll also say that the military has done that. Uh, My brother's a West Point grad, and he attended West Point at a time when his um, his superior officer was a woman. He also Mm. graduated. His uh, his roommate was black. So Mm. he had the opportunity to work with a much more diverse uh, population than some other people in other, you know, in other places. And I think it's made a difference in his life. He spent his career actually working in Africa because it was important to him. So that is that is amazing. That's outstanding. And um, thank you, sir, for your service. Uh, if if once the the, our, the show is aired, you know, thank him for the service. Um, Dr. Henderson, again, you have held multiple positions in higher education. Um what does that leadership look like for you? And in, in, in our opening, we, we kind of tease it a little bit. What, you know, what are you looking for as a president when you um, hire an AD? You know, when 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 an AD comes to you and says, hey, I have an outstanding uh, uh, coach candidate for our, our you know, uh, men's basketball program, who's our signature program or our football program, what are you looking for when you want to hire leaders as a president? Yeah. So coaches have the um, difficult job in my mind of not only being good coaches, so they need to know their sport, but they need to be good managers. They also need to be psychologists because they need to be able to work with the athletes. Uh, So much of what you do in athletics has to do with not only uh, how you're performing, but how you're feeling, you know, yes, what, what, behind, what is behind what you're doing every day. And again, I think this is something that the rest of higher education could learn from the athletics department is that you work with a whole person. And uh, that to me, their health, their mental health, as well as their, their, you know, athletic prowess and, and as, as well as, you know, how smart they are, how well they understand things. <laughs> so all of those things are important. So um, being a coach is a complicated job. And not for nothing, it's a little political, too. So you yes, have to ma'am. deal with everybody on the sidelines who would like to tell you how to do it. <laughs> the the sideline quarterbacks or Absolutely. You know, the, the, the sideline coaches that think they have the, the, the best press break Absolutely. for for the, the program. Um, you have, um, you know, Georgia State is now um, a, a Division One program uh, in FCS. Um, uh, as I looked at your bio, um, I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Henderson, that your, uh, advanced degree is from the university of Georgia. That's correct. Bulldogs, right? (laughs) (laughs) Bulldog number, you know, number one in the, in the country right now in the F in the FBS, uh, uh, college football, uh, um, um, postseason, uh, um, tournament. And has it been different for you? working in 
what would be an FCS school. Yeah, I know Georgia State at one point in time was Division Two, and then being a part of, you know, uh, as you go through your advanced degree at an FC, uh, FBS school, what are some of the differences that you saw as a, um, a leader of yeah. those institutions? So I'll share with you what uh, one of my colleagues said to me. I, I've always been uh, a vice president or a president over a Division II or Division Three institution. Yes, and um, yeah, so those are, the, those are the only two institutions. However, when I was on the NCAA board, I got to meet the president of Cal State Long, Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she talked about, she said, you know, we have a lot of athletes. We are very proud of our athletics programs. We're proud of our football, but our, we're proud of all of our programs. And because of where we are, we don't get the same support, nor do we are our voices heard sometimes when we're discussing important things in Division One. So mm-hmm. it is going to be important, I think, as um, as they move through the NIL, that they think about how do we structure the NCAA so that all the voices are heard? Because there yes, are ma'am. a lot of schools that are not the Pac-10s or, yes, the, or, or the SECs. So. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, with uh, with schools moving from conference to conference, and, and, you know, and now there's a uh, – in, in the courts, there's a big um, – fight right now with uh washington state and i believe um um uh, i think it's oregon state Mm -hmm. that are still in the pac-12 right they want to be the holders of the purse right but all the other ones that have left are saying hold on not so fast my friend lee corso right not so fast my friend they want to, you know, still have a, a piece of the Pac-12 uh, money right now. And um, I don't think that um, if you leave, uh, you know, I, I think you need to, to leave it there so that the individuals, the student yeah. athletes that are still there yeah. can have, you know, their piece and yeah. they can have their opportunities. Um, yeah. it, and you know, frankly, I think some of the reasons some of those schools left is because they jumped to other conferences where it was more lucrative. So yes. yes, it should leave the money that's there there. <laughs> TV TV money is 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 a big thing. Is it a is. big thing. It is. Absolutely. Um, and I just wanted to uh we are watching from the AD's view. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Cedric Brown. You can catch us here on uh each Sunday evening at 6 30 Central, 7 30 Eastern. And we are talking here with our special guest, Dr. Sue Henderson, um, a a pioneer in her own right. In, uh, in higher education, um, has a, a, a great wealth of experience in that and uh, in um, uh, athletics for student athletes. Um, before we go, Dr. Henderson, I, I like to always ask my, my guests one final question. And uh, I don't try to get too heavy in the subject, but I just uh, like to know. Um, Dr. Henderson, what does faith or spiritualness or spirituality mean to you? So I think it's what gets you up every day. It what It's what keeps you going when everything else is not working well. And one of the things I've been privileged to do when I worked um, in New York and in New Jersey is understanding that faith is expressed in different ways, depending yes, on what culture you come from. 
uh, or what background you come from, but that we all have a faith that that is our inner core that just gets up every day and says, you can make a difference in life. And I think it's your faith that does that and says, you need to keep going because this is your purpose. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that is very well said, Dr. Henderson. And, and Dr. Henderson, if um, um, I know that you are probably, you know, mentoring and networking and consulting because um, that that wealth of information that you have needs to be shared. And if someone wanted to get in contact with you, Dr. Henderson, how could they go about doing that? You could find me on LinkedIn. So I think it's Sue E. Henderson. Yes, ma'am. And yep. and and I and I I affectionately say to everybody that wants to hear, you know, me talk about it. I think that uh, LinkedIn that uh, God said I want a social media page. And he did that because everyone that I've come in contact with through LinkedIn has been like individuals like yourself, Dr. Henson, very um, giving and um, uh, open to share experiences, to to be someone that uh, that talks about how faith is a, an experience for someone to help them to be that better version of themselves and to help them to um, to understand people and accept people. And, you know, and so I just, you know, it, I, I'm so thankful um, that I had an opportunity to uh, meet you on LinkedIn and that it has led to a uh, an opportunity for me to grow uh, with what you're sharing with me and hopefully that I've poured into you as well. Um, but I really do um, appreciate you, Dr. Henderson, so much. And then are there any last things that you would like to say before we close out? No, uh, Cedric, you just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yes, it's ma'am. A it's a privileged position and you're doing a great job. You should be proud. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'd like to thank Dr. Sue Henderson for being a part of our show today. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing. And um, we will cross paths again. I'm sure we will. We will cross paths again. And as I close the show, um, I, again, want to thank Dr. Sue Henderson for being a part of the show. And um, I, as I think about uh, things that have gone on uh, in the last week, um, I, I imagine that some of the uh, experiences that I've had have led me to the point in my career that I have uh, that I'm at now. And as I talk to some of the my colleagues at work, those that uh, report to me and those that I report to, the sharing of ideas and the sharing of 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 um, responsibilities for a common goal that we are there uh, to be servant leaders for our uh, our stakeholders, which are our student athletes. It is an amazing feeling to come together when you share opportunities and you share ideas, and then those ideas go to fruition that helps the students be more successful, right? Two things that athletics is all about, two words, student success. And as long as we are doing that, and as long as that goal is in mind and that focus is uh, uh, centered and concentrated, we will always uh, be um, on the right path of getting things done. 
And as I say all the time, um, we here at From the AD's View, we're here from 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on every Sunday evening, trying to bring you more open and honest discussions uh, from our view, from the AD's View. Good night and God bless.